0: Hi, and thanks for listening to the podcast by First Christian Church of Wadsworth, Ohio. Here you can listen to scripture, sermons, and more. We hope you find it meaningful. Our first scripture for today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments, they delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast but you do not see? Why humble ourselves but you do not notice? Look, You serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil. If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden. Like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Our second scripture for today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: We began our worship today with a scripture from Revelation. Leslie Critchfield read it for us. It's a vision of the world that is to come, the eternal city of God. In this city, there is no sun or moon, for God is the light, and Christ the Lamb is the lamp. It is this beautiful vision of what will be, one day, a world in which everyone lives in the glory of God and the beauty of Christ's love. A world in which the rulers of the nations come together, and because there are no threats or enemies, There is no need to shut the gates. They're open to everyone, day or night. But this is not the world we live in today, far from it. Nations compete for resources in our world, sometimes waging war against one another to secure them. Our own nation is fractured divided, there is suspicion and mistrust of individuals and institutions, it's driving a deeper and deeper wedge between people, and even calling into question the very foundation of our government. In my conversations with people in recent days, the response that I hear most often from folks is anger. We are angry at the state of things. This isn't how things were meant to be. We can do better. We must do better. Now, as people of faith, the state of our nation and our world, while it should deeply grieve us, it should not surprise or shock us. If we look to our scriptures, we see a record of how for centuries Human beings have fought and quarreled, sibling against sibling, Cain against Abel. How rulers like Solomon were rare, rulers whose greatest desire was to act with wisdom and justice. More common throughout human history are the Nebuchadnezzars and the Herods, who are motivated by ego and fear. Even King David, who loved God, used his own political power for personal gain, arranging for the death of an innocent man. Now for the record, we are not the only ones who look at the state of things and feel angry. Looking again at our scriptures for today, in particular the one from Isaiah, we see God's own response to how we are managing our affairs. God commands the prophet Isaiah to lift up his voice and to shout to the people. Not talk, not speak, but shout loudly, the scripture says. And by and large, God says this. You go to church on Sunday, but on Monday, I see you fighting and quarreling, striking each other with a wicked fist. In the morning, you sit and you pray, but then you head off to work, where all you care about are your own interests at the expense of the rest of the workforce. What do you care if that single parent working 40 hours a week can't manage enough to live on as long as your investments are growing? Day after day, you seek me, you delight to know my ways as if you were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the commandments of god it is a strong reproof i would even say an angry reproof god was greatly displeased with how the people of israel were treating each other and running their affairs fast forward to 2021 and i think it's fair to assume that god is none too pleased with the job that we're doing either Thankfully, the words of the prophet do not end there. The good news is that this passage offers us a way forward. A way to not only seek to live in God's light, but to shine God's light. I want to read again one of the parts from Isaiah. Is not this the fast I choose, says the prophet, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. True worship of God is manifest in how we treat one another, how we fashion a world that takes care of the neediest among us and roots out injustice. Following in this tradition of the prophets, Jesus came preaching liberation for the captives and compassion for the outcast. In his words and his deeds, He showed us the way. Jesus is our light. And while he was still with us, he commanded his followers to imitate him, to live as salt and light in the world. Again, that passage we heard today from Matthew, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can it be restored? You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. Both of these passages, this passage from Isaiah, this powerful passage from Matthew with Jesus' teaching, both of these passages are a call to action And I want to take the rest of my sermon to dig a little bit deeper to examine what kind of action God is calling us to. It is clear from God's words through Isaiah that we can't pray our way out of the messes that we have made. God has no use for our worship and prayers and repentance and fasting if we aren't actively engaged in the work of God. So, what precisely is this work that God is calling us to do? Going back to Isaiah, we hear the verses, I'm calling you to remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil. I think it can begin with something as simple as our words. How do we talk to one another In conversation? More importantly, how do we talk about one another in conversation? And how do we talk on social media? How much of the pointing of the finger and the speaking of evil abounds in our words and in our speech? We know that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we must begin by doing the hard work of transforming our hearts, of putting away bitterness and malice, and regarding each person as a child of God, we must speak the truth in love. Now that work may begin with each of us, but it will require a community. It will require a coming together a working side-by-side to answer God's call if we are truly to dismantle systems of oppression and address the needs of the hungry and the homeless and the afflicted. It takes people with a vision coming together, coming together as churches, as schools, as businesses, as nonprofits and governments and nations, to bring about real change. People willing to reach across denominations and religions, political affiliations, class and race, nations, to work for the common good. Now this work may seem daunting and even impossible at times. And we may incline, be inclined to give up before we even begin. And so today, I want to remind us about all of those who have come before us, who have toiled and struggled and fought to bring about transformation. They are our beacon of hope. Tomorrow, we celebrate the life of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His life, his powerful words remind us that change is possible if we hold fast to the light. When his memorial was dedicated on the National Mall, Edward Rothstein wrote this, it is a momentous occasion into an honored array for presidents and soldiers, founders and protectors of our nation, has come a minister, a man without epaulets or civilian authority, who was not a creator of laws, but someone who for a time was a deliberate violator of them. Not a wager of war, but someone who throughout his short life was pretty much a pacifist, not an associate of the nation's ruling elite, but someone who in many cases would have been prevented from joining it. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is precisely the kind of prophet that God taps and rises up to speak out the ordinary, the disregarded, the overlooked. Over and over again in our scriptures, we see how God uses what the world views, what the world views as weak to shame the strong. As we know, he was not a movement unto himself. <clears throat> Countless more ordinary Ordinary but brave individuals joined in that struggle, and together they inspired a nation. And this should give us great hope, that we too, as ordinary children of God, are called to acts of great service and sacrifice. So what does it mean? to be a city on a hill, to let our light shine. I grew up hearing this phrase, city on a hill, and it was often used to describe America, our nation, as a shining light or a beacon of democracy and moral leadership. So as I prepared my sermon this week, I did a little research into the use of this saying of Jesus in political and national discourse. And what I discovered was fascinating. The use of the phrase, "city on a hill to describe America, was first used in a sermon by John Winthrop, entitled, A Model for Christian Charity. Winthrop was a Puritan leader who sailed to the new world with fellow Puritans to establish the Massachusetts Bay Colony. He actually wrote this sermon en route to the new land, on the ship. Now there doesn't seem to be a record of when or where he delivered the sermon, but the written version of it was published. But it was basically forgotten until the 1950s when politicians picked it up and began to quote Winthrop's City on a Hill to inspire and advance their ideals of America. John F. Kennedy used it in his speech just before stepping into the role of president. Ronald Reagan used it throughout his presidency in speeches, including his final speech before leaving office. I was surprised to read the original sermon by Winthrop. And to discover that Winthrop's use of this image of a city on a hill was not used as a banner of pride, which is what I thought I would find, but rather as a warning and an admonition. He says this in the sermon, For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill, the eyes of all people are upon us. So that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. It seems to me that this use of the phrase as a call to accountability before God is more faithful to the intent of the words of Jesus. So I want to encourage us to no longer use this phrase as a point of pride, a claim of some special election, but rather let us hear it for what it is, a call to sober self Examination. Let us not forget that during his time on earth, Jesus spent his days not in the halls of power, but in the countryside among the common people, healing, preaching, forgiveness, and mercy, and peace. Much of his time spent with the outcast, those on the margins of society. He broke down barriers between male and female, Jew and Gentile, servant and free. Those in authority, both religious and political, felt threatened. The truth of Jesus' words and the witness of his life, the truth that he spoke shone a light on their arrogance and greed, power and selfishness and they hated him for it. So much so that when the opportunity arose, they took it to put him to death, hoping to put an end to Jesus, to his followers, to this movement for love and justice, freedom and mercy, to extinguish his light once and for all. But, the light shone in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it jesus rose to new life and his followers carried forward that light today that light still shines it shines in all of those who are working to feed the hungry and those helping to care for the homeless in all of those working to dismantle systems of injustice and oppression. It's still shining in those who are providing for the needs of the afflicted among us, those who work on behalf of eliminating poverty, treating sickness, helping to heal those who are abused, battle addictions, mental illness, those rejected and ridiculed by society. The question before us today, my friends, is how will we take part in this work of God? What actions can we take as individuals, as a church, as a community, to shine God's light? That is our task ahead of us, a task I hope we will hold each other accountable to. It is a task that will require courage, but will bring great joy. I'll leave you with this final quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light, can do that.
0: Thanks for checking out our podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at FCC Wadsworth. If you would like to get in touch, you can email one of our pastors at s.andrews at fccwadsworth.org or s.west at fccwadsworth.org.